and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we will be discussing almsgiving and fasting. So let's get started. We were we were talking about uh, prayer when we spoke about some of the three kind of three pillars of, of uh, during the Lenten season, and that was we spoke about prayer. And today, just kind of hitting the, the last two of those pillars, prayer obviously being very important, but almsgiving and fasting also being a key part of, of what it means for us to, again, prepare for Easter joy. We can't emphasize that enough because otherwise, as I mentioned before, Lent becomes a, a dark, terrible time as opposed to a time really to prepare. Almsgiving was really part of the uh, the early church in the sense that Paul, uh, St. Paul speaks about it, of uh, being able to be generous. Uh, Paul's letter to, well, I should say in the Acts, and Paul's letter to the Corinthians talks about the need to be able to support the community at the time uh, with St. Paul and, and the communities that he was working with is that Jerusalem was going through a real tough time. And they were, yeah, financially they were going through a real tough time. And it is Paul who encourages some of the communities that he was beginning that because of how good God has been to them, that somehow they need to share that now with the community that was struggling in Jerusalem. And so from early on, almsgiving has been a real part of of recognizing the responsibility that we have uh, to the poor, that that we see them not as somehow, uh, you know, riffraff that, that is to be pushed aside, but that we see them as God's children as we are. We see in them, you know, as we are to see in ourselves, that we are the temple of the Spirit, and that there is a responsibility that we have in order to assist those who do not have what we have. And, and when we, we say that, it's not just about somehow giving them just, you know, whatever they want as much as it was about really meeting the basics, you know, clothing the naked, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, taking care of the sick, that as... Um, uh, as as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, you know that that we have a real responsibility. Luke, in his gospel, uh, with Luke Acts, he really pushes that that uh, we have this responsibility that if we truly are following Christ, it means that we are sharing not just of our excess, but we are sharing what we have in order to help take care of those who don't have anything. And that that was a responsibility. So when, when Lent, when we talk about Lent as a time of preparation, one of those key pieces of when we look at our lives was to look at the aspect of how generous are we? We have been blessed. We have been greatly blessed. And, and, and as the saying goes, God's generosity will never be outdone, is that we have a responsibility then to take those blessings in order to make sure that we, we share those. Uh, my mother shared with me a saying, and, and, and I can remember uh, her saying this numerous times, that gift received is always to be gift shared. Um, I can remember going back in grade school when she would talk a bit about that in high school, and, and, and definitely when I was in the seminary and such, that always the reminder that gift received 
was always to be gift shared. And I saw that being uh, lived out, first of all, in mom and dad's life. They were very generous people. And we didn't have a lot. You know, we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> sure. But we didn't have a lot. And, and yet, mom and dad, in so many ways, were very generous. Generous to people who came to our door. It could have been a salesperson. It could have been somebody. But they always seemed to come around when lunchtime was or <laughs> when supper was. Oh, and it was never... It was somehow always a given that there would be a cup of coffee, there would be some cookies, there might be a sandwich or whatever. I remember a gentleman, he was a marvelous gentleman, uh, basically he was a junk collector, that's who he was, what he was, that's what he did. He, he was a, one of the original recyclers. Uh, he would come around in his truck that probably shouldn't have been on the road, but always looking for um, rags, always looking for metal, always looking for things that, that he could collect. And I remember he would usually come around uh, during lunchtime. And, and we, we would have, mom would always prepare something for him. Always appreciative, always very kind. So I, I saw it lived out, you know, in, in the day to day. They were always generous to the church with their time, those kinds of things, and their talent and with their finances. If they couldn't give one week, you gave double the next week because that was a responsibility that you had to help take care of your church. Uh, I can remember when we would, uh, you know, at Christmas time, when we would get a, a stocking filled with some treats as children. Again, we had limited means. Is that there was always that sense that we had to make sure that we shared with our siblings that your stocking wasn't just your stocking. It was a gift, and it was to be a gift shared. So I saw that lived out and, and spoken about uh, growing up and, and with my own siblings, as I see in them, many of those generous, generous attributes, is that, uh, that sense of giving alms, that sense of being able to take what God has generously given you uh, and, and to be able to, to share it with those who, who were in need. Uh, in the church, of course, Alms were, uh, again, part of the early, early Christian communities and continued to grow, you might say, throughout Christian tradition. The, uh, the monies that were given <clears throat> and when they were used well, they would um, build hospitals and they would build clinics and they would build you know, all sorts of things you know, that, uh, that were needed uh, for the, in order to serve the people of God. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's something that is very important, you know, in being able to say, I grow closer to God as I grow in an appreciation of what God has given. And I recognize the generosity that, that is always there, that somehow uh, I am able to open myself more deeply to that presence of God when I reflect that in the way I live and how I love. So is almsgiving the same as tithing? Is that the same idea or not really? Tithing usually re refers to, in our tradition, refers to a percentage. But yes, it is rooted in the sense of giving alms, of, of being generous. Uh, oftentimes tithing, a lot of times people will refer to 7% or 10% mm -hmm. of one's gross uh, income is that again it's giving back to God what God has so generously given and the, the recognition and the belief once again that God's generosity will never be outshown is that 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 we realize that as we do that as we give and whether we tithe or not and those are 
are very conscious and deliberate uh, decisions that, that I believe families, people need to make, is that uh, there's a, you receive so much more. You receive so much more. Um, it's, uh, I remember when we were talking a bit about stewardship, this goes back years with, with a business manager that I worked with, and, and she would remind me at different times that this whole idea of good stewardship and such was that it was not, um, it was not in the sense equal amounts. It was, it was equal giving in the sense that 10% of a million is different than 10% of 100. It's the willingness to, to recognize the responsibility that we have to take what was given. And that is, again, reflected that when we do that, we really do grow closer to God, not because we're paying God off, you know, or somehow we're yeah. buying God as much as it is. It's, it's reflecting the generosity in a real way that God has shown us and that we take on God's attributes of then being generous to others. Yeah. Uh, You're it, caring it, for each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that makes a huge difference. So in the, in the realm of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving during Lent, are you supposed to be giving more or are you just supposed to make that a conscious choice i would say in a way both and is that oftentimes lent can be a time where we do dig a little deeper again it's but but i think it's it's more it's an opportunity also to take a serious look just like when we talked about are we praying well? Are we opening ourselves to that relationship? Is that it's an opportunity for us to focus a little bit more and saying, how generous am I? Am I, am I really reflecting in, in, a, in a genuine way? Am I reflecting the goodness that God has shown? So in a way, it can be both and. Um, it really does help us to focus. And like I said, to dig a little deeper uh, than maybe we normally would. But that can also then turn into, a, you know what, I can continue to do this because I have found that it truly does help me to grow more deeply in love with God and recognize more deeply God's love for me. So there's, there's elements of both of it in it. Um, all right. So that's almsgiving. <clears throat> so let's build out our, what, I guess a stool, right? With the third leg with, of our stool. With the third leg of the stool of what would Let's talk about fasting. So we need to clear up a little bit from what we said in the Ash, Ash Wednesday one, I think, when we talked about fasting and... Um, um, and abstaining. Abstaining. Yes, fasting and abstaining. Abstaining. So we found on the USCCB website just a few different ages compared to what we read in a book previous. Co correct. So... The abstaining from meat is anyone 14 and older. Correct. Forever. Correct. Uh, you know. Abstaining can, is uh, throughout one's life. Yeah, starting at 14. And then fasting is 18 to 59. That is correct. Okay. Just and that. it doesn't apply. Fasting does not apply. Uh, it's interesting to women who are pregnant and or it does not uh, apply to someone who is sick or has some serious health issues. And so the, the, the uh, kind of say the rules are off for those certain groups of people sure. because it, the point was not meant to be how do we make a person suffer or torture them for goodness sake. What, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the point was, again, is how do, how do we grow in holiness? 
and and fasting, which which can really be uh, an element that that it goes way back in our history. Fasting is certainly something that that can assist us in in a sense of what it means to have some self-denial, that that we are not simply pawns of all of our urges or desires or whatever, that we are able to practice some self-denial. When you think about fasting, there's there's kind of two tracks, you might say, when it comes to fasting. Uh, One is the Eucharistic fast, which certainly is a part of it, and the one is just regular fasting, abstaining from or uh, uh, taking something away from what you normally do in order to fast Mm -hmm. from it, to refrain from it. The Eucharistic fast, it might say, goes goes back all the way to the second century. And in fact, part of it stems from the fact that the Eucharistic celebration meal uh, used to be in connection with the normal meal with the Christian community they would gather. It's in uh, Corinthians that Paul, again, speaks to that community that there were abuses in that. Um, either some getting something and others getting nothing. There was, But he speaks to those abuses. It's after that point that they start to separate the Eucharistic celebration from the normal meal of the home or the place where they were gathering. By the second and third century, there had been a complete break, and and the Eucharistic fast, you might say, was from midnight on, and they were not to have water, anything. I mean, it was nothing. And that lasted for a lot of centuries, you know. And and in fact, when you look at the the word breakfast, break fast, um, it it, it comes from that, that sense that you, until you really took time and celebrated Eucharist, um, that you were to not have anything as a way of self-denial and a way of, of, of recognizing that you were doing something very serious, is that after Eucharist, then you would break fast and you would have a meal. And, and now today, and some people don't realize this, there is still the, the responsibility that a, uh, a Catholic has to... Uh, to have a Eucharistic fast an hour before Mass. And the point is, for all of these was, is that think about what you're doing. You know, think about what you are about to enter into, what you are about to celebrate, what you are about to consume. And if we're simply rushing around, uh, going about our business as usual, going to Mass, celebrating Eucharist, can simply become one more thing on our list of, you know, we walked the dog, we raked our lawn, we went to Mass, we went, and it becomes nothing different about it, as opposed to stopping for a moment and, and looking at the fact that I'm about to celebrate something incredibly significant. And here again, the idea is not to be so rigid, because I can remember as a child is that if you forgot when Mass was going to be, and or the time, lost track of time, mm-hmm. and you ate something after, before that, that within that three-hour period, let's say, people would wait at the back of church, hoping and praying, God, uh, God, not God, but 
the pastor or the priest would preach longer to make sure that it was exactly three hours. <laughs> what? And and that was that was not uncommon. And so you would you would wait until the very end of the line. You would hope that he would pray longer, but you would be watching your watch, making sure that it was exactly three hours. Wow. And saying, you missed the point here. You missed the point. And even when it comes to the hour, you know, abstaining or fasting for an hour, mm-hmm. the point is not the 60 minutes. An hour is a good chunk of time where, again, we focus, we prepare, we think about and reflect what we are about to enter into. And sometimes in the craziness of life, we just aren't there. I Sometimes I wonder when I, I look at parents coming in with, the, with any number of children, how did they get there alive? Because <laughs> obviously mom and dad look frazzled, the children are all kind of frazzled, and you say, thank God they got here without any injuries. Is that sometimes that hour just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's okay. God understands that. The point is, think about what you're doing. And sometimes that's pretty tough with families and and with the worries and concerns that people have on their minds and in their hearts. It's hopefully an opportunity or a good reminder to folks. Um, Even if it's 10 minutes, think about what you're doing uh, so that you can center yourself and and receive. That's the Eucharistic fast. You know, that's um, fasting in general for Lent and such, uh, comes from a number of different sources. Uh, one is the fact that um, when it was abstaining, or say fasting and abstaining, <clears throat> was that uh, it was considered that, and it was called the Black Fast. This goes back to the first century. That sounds bleak. Uh, yes, it, it is, actually, <laughs> because it was the idea that you fasted from meat on Fridays because Christ on a Friday gave his flesh the salvation of all. So we were to refrain from eating flesh meats because of remembering that it was the day when Christ sacrificed his flesh on the cross for the salvation of all of us. It was called the Black Fast. Now, if you're going to refrain from meats Mm -hmm. and those things, obviously in the Jewish community, pork was out and all of those things, is that Fish was pretty much your alternative. And so that becomes somewhat then synonymous with, you know, uh, fasting and abstaining, you know, from meats that, well, that left fish or in our culture, you know, pastas or those kinds of things. Pasta. The, but with all of that, you know, if fasting can really speak to the fact that, you know, that sense of self-denial, it, it, can, it can bear witness of recognizing again, we are not simply uh, slaves to our wants, needs, desires, urges, whatever it might be, that we are able to say no, and that in ways we are able to empty ourselves so that you might say we make room for God. Again, this all points back to God. It always points back to God. As much as sometimes we made, uh, and we can, uh, make fun of, of sometimes some of the Catholic practices, is that, you know, when they used to have all Fridays or, or times of abstaining from meat and even some fasting, is that there was in the middle of all of that a bond with every other Catholic who was part of that. 
And, and there is something to say about knowing that, you know, millions of people, tens of millions of people all over the world entering that practice and saying we are in union with them. It's like, you know, going to Texas and, and seeing somebody wear a Green Bay Packers jersey. <laughs> there is a bond, immediate yes. bond. That's immediate right. bond, um, you know, or or you're in a foreign country and you hear English spoken. Spoken, you know, it's like there's an immediate bond we identify, and and we would use this in many ways to identify with the practice of refraining from meat. You know, oh, you must be Catholic. You're identified. You mm-hmm. know, you must be Catholic. Or somebody, you know, says, yeah, I know what, I do the same thing. Even to this day, even though there is no longer the regulations of, of, of fasting and abstaining as there had been in the past, is that the church still asks of us to seriously consider, certainly during Lent, for fasting and abstaining from meat and those things, is that the church still asks of us that if we choose not to uh, abstain from meat, let's say, on a Friday, which it's still suggested, mm-hmm. Do some other type of, of, of penance. Do some other type of, of, of charitable act. Uh, and, and we have to think about that in, in, in bigger than in terms of fish or whatever. I never had a problem with not eating meat on Fridays. I love pasta. I love fish. I, I love virtually any well, food. <laughs> so it was never a problem for me. You know, eating fish or uh, whatever mom would make. Mom was a great, was a good cook. Never a problem for me. Some people have a real problem with that, um, and that's okay. Is that different things for different people in that regard? But do something. Think about what your action, your maybe um, act of penance or whatever, how it unites us with people all over the world as people of faith as people who, who recognize the value in, again, stepping back and focusing our lives a little bit more and saying, wow, this is something I can do, and I'm going to do it united with my brothers and sisters, and I do this in order to fo- help focus my life more on the Lord. I always think God's not going to be up there marking, oh, you ate meat. Oh, you didn't pray today. That's not the important part of it. So we, I feel like for us, we should think of it more as we are getting ready. We are thinking about it, not like we have to do this because it's the rules. God doesn't need us not to eat meat. We need not to eat meat as a way to focus ourselves and to recognize the presence of God. God doesn't need anything from us. We need God. All right. Another meaty conversation that we had there. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, joke, meaty. Oh, anyway. I, I get it, I get it. But anyway. yeah, you know, these are ways, Lindsay, when you think about it, that, that I believe folks are able to see the value in these things rather than somehow perceiving them as being archaic, as being, you know, of no value and saying, no, it has a value just in a different way, a new way, or then discover something that does. Discover something that does. So that the, this time of Lent, you know, is a time of prayer, 
uh, time building that relationship, time of almsgiving, of recognizing God's goodness of generosity, a time of fasting or abstaining from, a time to, again, to refocus and opening ourselves. Lent then, and not only Lent, you know, the whole year can be a real time where we discover a lot more about God than we ever imagined. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you. You are most welcome. Hope you all enjoyed that, and we will see you next time.